Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. Hey, so good to have you here today. It's great to be with the body of Christ, the family of God here at the Vine. If you're here in person or online, it's so good to see several of you for the first time in a long time. So welcome back. Yay. And, um, and so today we are continuing our series called Just People Like You and Me. And, you know, we've seen people who have this amazingly great faith. And at the same time, they struggle with some, with some really some pretty tough sin. And we see throughout the, this series that men and women who had all this faith We're continually having to say, Lord, even though we fail, we're trusting in you. We're relying on you, God. Hey, doesn't that sound familiar? Don't we need to have that same kind of God in the midst of our struggles and our failures? And the answer is, yes. Yes, we do. And so today we're going to continue and look at the life of Moses. Last week, Pastor Tim did an excellent job teaching us about Joseph and just all the disappointments he went through and the struggles he had, especially early in his life, and and how he grew in trusting God more and more and more. And today, so we're going to look at the life of Moses. And you probably know the story of Moses, but let me just recap for you for just a moment, okay? So Moses was born an Israelite in the land of Egypt, and the... uh, The the, uh, Israelites had been slaves for about 430 years when it was all said and done. And they were growing more and more in size and power. And Pharaoh, who was the leader of the Egyptians, was getting threatened by that. And so he thought, you know, maybe the Israelites will overthrow them or create a coup. So, So he did something in his flesh. And he made an order to kill every male child, every male infant. And so Moses is born and his mom, Jochebed, actually uh, hides him from Pharaoh and and destruction. And she places him into a little ark, if you will, a little basket, puts him in the river and has his sister Miriam watch him. And one day the uh, princess of Egypt comes, finds this basket, opens it up. It's not a picnic basket full of good food. It's a baby. And she, she was overwhelmed and obviously uh, loved that baby. And in the end, she, she brings Moses into her household, which is the household of Pharaoh. And he grew up in Pharaoh's courts. And he himself, Moses... First 40 years of his life becomes this, you know, great leader, prince of Egypt, if you will. And uh, at the end of about his 40 years, he, he sees this Egyptian just wailing on an Israelite. And he takes this Egyptian and probably out of anger, kills him. And then hides him thinking no one saw it, but they actually did. And then Pharaoh... Pharaoh comes after Moses seeking his death for killing that Egyptian. So so Moses, you know, goes on the run. He's exiled. Forty years old, he travels southeast to the country of Midian, which is really in the heart of the desert. 
And there for 40 years, he, he marries, he has children, he becomes this shepherd. He, he was a prince and now he's a shepherd and he's not with his people in Israel, nor with the Egyptians that he grew up with. He's in Midian. And for 40 more years, he just lives and grows in learning how to trust God more and more. And that leads us to Exodus chapter 3. And you know, uh, as you look at it, Exodus 3 is that chapter where God appears to Moses in a burning bush. I'll bet you have never had too many burning bush experiences. It's kind of crazy. I mean, a bush that wasn't consumed. God speaks, tells him he's the Lord, and he calls Moses to say, you're going to deliver my people, Israel, out of slavery, out of Egypt. And, and Moses is really struggling with this calling. God says to Moses, in essence, you're going to have this great calling to be this deliverer of my people, and I'm going to speak powerfully through you. And Moses hesitates and pushes back on God. So we see, uh, because God not only says you're going to be the deliverer, but he says at the end of chapter 3, even the people of Israel, when I deliver you, they're going to ask for all the, Israel, the Egyptians to give them gold, silver, and jewelry, and they're going to give you all of it. And you're going to plunder Egypt and take all of much of their wealth and just walk away <laughs> out into the distance. And so it's an amazing story. And Moses is like, you expect me to believe that, God? And he, we, so we come to chapter 4, uh, where Moses had to think this was crazy. Something like, if God appeared to you today and with a voice and said, uh, you know, go to Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, Ask him for all of his money, and he's going to give you $187 billion. You know, hard to believe stuff, right? And so Moses is like struggling with this. But God here in this passage shows Moses like he shows us. He will give you everything you need to fulfill your calling. You need to trust him. God equips his called. And he equips the called. And by the way, if you know Christ as your God and Lord, you're called. So guess what? He'll equip you. He'll equip you with everything you need to, to fulfill the calling he has on your life. And so we come to this passage, chapter 4. Look at it with me in your Bibles, beginning in verse number 1. Then Moses answered, but behold... They won't believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. 
And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. This is the reading of God's holy, sovereign word. And we put ourselves under its authority and mastery. Amen. And so Moses is struggling like many of us, resisting God's calling. And, and we resist God's calling and Moses is going through all the reasons with God. And we see that in these first nine verses, especially where he says, they won't listen to me, Lord, because I think you've got the wrong guy. And your plan isn't really so good. But again, God, God comes to Moses and says, yes, Pharaoh will listen. And God's people, my people will listen to you because it is me sending you. Remember that, Moses, and I give you signs. The Lord gave Moses three signs to demonstrate to Pharaoh and God's people that it was the Lord who had called him. And we see those three signs. First of all, a staff turning into a snake, verses two through five. Would you have had that same experience Moses had? I mean, it turns into this, I don't think it's this little, like, small little black snake. It turns into this, like, nasty, venomous snake, and he runs. Would you run? And then, and then not only that, God says, pick it up by the tail. If, if you're a good snake handler, probably not a good idea. But he does it, and, and he gives him this, this staff that turns into this snake. And then we see a, his hand turns leprous, verses 6 through 8. And then water turns into blood, verse 9. And, and all, although our calling is different from Moses, it's easy for us to think like him, right? We think, no one's going to listen to me. I don't think God's plan's so good either. Why does he have me you know, involved in this or called to do this? But listen, what do you have? You may not have a snake or be able to turn your hand into leprous or turn water into blood, right? We have the word of God. You have the most powerful revelation on the planet. 
God has spoken. And he speaks clearly to every one of us. But not only does he give us his powerful word, he gives us himself. If we know Christ, you you know this, that the Holy Spirit dwells in every one of your hearts. I mean, that is just, that that should be more than enough for us to be convinced that every one of us We are equipped to fulfill the callings of God. You know, uh, I love how God works through people. And he causes their, as they love God and his word, the convincing is really done by God through the person. It's not really done through that person's power, ability, skill set. Things that we always think about, these are important to have to kind of be influential. Now, you know, I think about my father-in-law. He was a super humble man, but brilliant. And he worked in the school district. And a lot of times he'd give ideas and he'd never get the, he wouldn't get the credit, but he'd be okay with it. Because he's like, as long as those ideas go forward and, and the school advances, that's what I want. And he showed up every day at work with a calling to see children enjoy and flourish in school. You know what his heart behind all of that was? He loved the word of God. And he loved the God of the word. And his calling through the years. And tens of schools and literally hundreds of people were impacted, changed. He didn't make a lot of big speeches He wasn't out front like even I am today. He simply, humbly, and consistently led in the calling of which God had called him. And God made an impact. People listened because it wasn't Jim D. Virgilio. People will listen around you, not because of you. It's because of our God. Our God working and speaking through you. So Moses struggles here with, they won't listen to me. And I don't really like your plan so much, Lord. And he also struggled with thinking, I'm not gifted enough, really. And we see that in verses 10 through 13. You know, Moses said his, his big complaint was, I stumble on my words. I'm not a really good, eloquent speaker. You know, uh, he struggled with fears, thinking this doesn't make sense, God, and he had a hard time trusting God. And we see in verse 13, kind of the heart of his problem was this. It's verse 13 says, but he, Moses said, oh, my Lord, please someone else. You know, he was polite with God, but he still lacked faith. He was full of unbelief, thinking, I had to trust in my own powers. And he feared that not only Pharaoh wouldn't listen to him, but the people of Israel would not even hear his words. He knew he wasn't a great speaker, but of course we know in Scripture there's been a lot of not great speakers like Paul. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 10.10 says he was not a good speaker. He changed the world through the power of the gospel and saying, God, I will fulfill 
walk in the calling. I'll do the calling. You've called me to because you, you are the God of my calling. And I trust you. You see, God isn't interested in how gifted you are or how able you are, what you bring to the table. <laughs> you know, maybe you've heard this said this way. God's not interested in your ability, but your availability. And, and you know what? Are you making yourself available to God in his calling? Do you know that what he will bring and fill you with, with his spirit and his word, is far more important than what you bring? You see, God is able to take weak people and empower them because he's an almighty God who uses weakness to show to people the glory and wonder of his work and who he is. This is what he loves to do. And he wants to do it through you and me. I love how to see this through so many people and ladies like Barb Foote in our congregation, a member here, how God has used her with, with pouring into her cousin, Ashley, who's had a lot of struggles. She's 17 years old, lives in Tennessee. Barb and David would go visit uh, Ashley and begin some conversations and care for her because she was hurting a lot in her life. And, and Barb bought her a Bible and, and, then they, and Barb and David invited uh, Ashley to come to their home to live with them for a month. You know, when you live with someone for a month, you see some of the real stuff, right? Right? I mean, so, so Ashley comes, sees their life and how they live. They see, you know, the good, the bad. The <laughs> but they see a person who is pursuing God and his calling in the midst of, you know, just life. And during this month, Barb had some wonderful conversations with Ashley and, and began to answer her questions about Jesus. So after a month's time, Ashley went home to Tennessee and she called uh, Barbara up the next week and said, Barbara, I have welcomed Jesus Christ as my God and Lord. Thank you. She became a Christ follower. And Barb began to continue to meet with Ashley online, you know, in about 90 minutes a week and poured into her. And, you know, Barb was just, it's not because she's so powerful and able and gifted. It's because she's available. She knows who God is. She loves God and says, in my weakness, God, be made strong. Use me in the way that you want to be glorified, the way you want to speak, the way you want to work in the life of others through me. You know, that doesn't mean that every conversation we have is going to go perfectly, right? It doesn't. But if we trust in the greatness and the glory of who God is, he will fulfill everything he wants to fulfill in and through you, everything. So stop resisting his calling. Stop pushing back. Stop running. You're, you know, I'm too busy. I'm not gifted enough. 
Lord, send someone else. I don't think this is a good plan. No, simply say, Lord, you are God. And I submit and surrender to who you are and your calling and your will and your way. And so secondly, we see in this passage that we trust God to equip the called. And we see this in verses 14 and 17. God patiently does this with Moses. Look at this. It says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, what do you think when he's angry? What do you do when you're angry? You lash out. And what does God do when he's angry with Moses? Look what he does. He provides for him. He goes, verse 14, it says, and and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as a God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. You see, the questions didn't make God angry. Even Moses's, uh, you know, just doubts And withdrawal didn't make him angry. What made him angry was at one point, Moses didn't trust who God really was. You see, verse verse 11, God tells him over and over in chapters 3 and 4 who he is. In verse 11, he says it again. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I? The Lord, he's saying in essence, I'm the creator, you're the creation. I make you, I know how you work. I have put you together. I will also cause you to live and flourish as you trust me. I am God, you are not. Do we believe that church? Do we constantly put ourselves under the greatness and glory of a great God who calls us into into humble ministry and service for him. And we see here that in verses 14 and 16, by his grace, God provides for him. Even he's angry and then he provides for him. This is amazing stuff. He gives Moses his brother Aaron as a spokesperson to Pharaoh and God's people. Moses would receive the words directly. He would be like God to to Aaron because he would speak the very words of God. And then then Aaron would then be the spokesperson to Pharaoh and to the people of Israel. You see, uh, like us, God patiently teaches Moses to trust him. You see, Moses will not rescue Israel because he's eloquent or free of doubts. Moses won't be the deliverer of Israel because he is without sin. No. Moses is used by God because he finally comes to the point of realizing, God, you're the deliverer. You have all power. 
You are the Lord. And I can trust that you use doubting, flawed servants like me to do your will. To be called by you and used in some ways. And I love the promises that God gives. We, we sang about the promises of God that he, they're, they're, he, he never fails in his promises. And he promises to Moses and Aaron, verse 14 and 16, that he will always be with us. I said, I'll, he says, I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And then his plans are always good and full of purpose. And God himself instructs him and teaches him in the way he shall go. And there in that passage, it sounds like a lot like John 14, 15, and 16, where the comforter becomes our great teacher. And he's with us at all times. God is with us, and he'll teach us every moment of everything we need to fulfill the calling he has given to us. So... Are you listening, hearing, and following God's calling for your life? Look, we all are called by God, every one of us. First and foremost, we're called to this beautiful word. We're called to get to know God by his glorious spirit who lives within us. We're called, you're here, I'm preaching to the choir, we're called to be in worship, together to encourage one another through the singing and the sacraments and the preaching of God's word. We're here to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're here to share Christ with others and with the world around us. We're here to become more and more light and salt to this world that is so Struggling, even as we struggle. And God is the one who's going to give you all the gifts, all the ability, all the strength to fulfill the callings for which he's called you to. You know, just one way you're called. Think about your work and your life and whatever you do. Um... I love the scripture that the Apostle Paul writes about where he talks about really all of life, every moment of our life. We have a calling. And we can be assured we know what that calling is. And it's, we find that in 1 Corinthians 10.31 where it says, Paul writes, so whether you eat or drink or what? Whatever you do, do all. Do all, do all to the glory of God. You see, whatever you do in your work, your recreation, your play is sacred before God. It's a sacred calling to give him glory, to live out his word, to be led by his Holy Spirit to exalt Christ in every corner of your life. And don't be fooled about your work. Your work is no less important or valuable than a preacher. Your work, God can use you in a powerful way as you continue to live out the gospel and glorify God in the callings 
of which God has called you. Specifically, if you're a mom at home, live for the glory of God. I know it's hard at times. If you're a, you know, a business person in the medical field, where, whatever field you're in, glorify God in the callings that he has given to you. And here in our local church, we're all called to, to be a part of ministry. Are you doing that? This isn't meant to guilt you into this. It's meant to say, we have a glorious God. Are you living for his glory and following what his word says? That we are all to be, the saints are all, God's people are to be equipped to do God's work of ministry in his church and through his church. So you don't have to do 15 things. Do you, are you doing one? Are you listening to what God is calling you to? Are you making your life available? You see, if you're not, it's showing a little bit of how you view God. Do you view him as great, almighty, all-powerful, and worthy? Then, then, then you'll trust him and seek him. Lord, show me. What's the calling you have for my life here in this local church here at the Vine? If you call this your church home. You know, as we prepare for communion, I want you to know this, that sometimes your callings are for a season and then he calls you to another calling and that's okay. I want you also to know that some of you, he's giving you some very specific callings. He probably won't give you a burning bush, but he gives you some direction to go after some very specific areas using the giftedness he's given to you. And there's even times when you think about calling where you have to operate out of your giftedness. You know, uh, there's times where he calls you just simply, I'm calling you this, trust me, I'll help you to serve and love and serve outside of maybe even your gifting. You know, I love the stories about so many people here. I think about Dee Pettis and just her love for our children and the way that she, through these years, has just loved on kids with she and her husband, Rod. And they have, over and over, year after year, have, have poured into literally generations here at the Vine. Thank you, Dee, for your humble servants' hearts and loving our children to Jesus. I also think about John Shudder's just a humble way of that he, your communion cups don't just appear there, gang. Every week, John puts these out and he gets here early for 7.30 prayer. You're welcome to come and join us. And we pray from 7.30 to 8.15 and at 8.15, he's putting these cups out week after week. He's not asking for the press for the word, for the affirmation. But man, this guy is a man, I think, of spiritual authority, of servant authority. I listen to him when he speaks because his life is lined up with his trust in a great God and following as a humble servant. He may use you in different ways, 
maybe in strategy or in, you know, different ways, ways that you're wired. But are you available to God and his calling on your life? Do you really trust how great and almighty our God is to equip you to fulfill everything he is calling you to? So as we uh, prep for communion today, I want you to, to pray this prayer and join with me. It's this, Lord, I thank you that you use unwilling, doubting, and flawed servants like me for your glory. Grant me discernment and courage to take the next step in trusting my calling. Uh, will you pray that with me? And as you do, as God shows you any sin that you need to turn from, as we prep for communion, will you do that? Let's go to our God. Let's cry out to God that we will be available to him and the calling he has on our lives. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.